Thank you very much for your welcome. Uh, let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, the Bible. We thank you that it is your truth and that it is your truth for all time and for all people. And we ask now that by your spirit, as we open up your word today, that you would teach us, that you would keep us in the truth of your word. We pray, Father, that uh, we might be challenged and changed by it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to explain what I'm about to do a little later. But I do want you to notice what I'm doing. It's nothing like the smell of fresh rice. <laughs> why did we gather this weekend? In fact, why do we gather at all? I wonder if you've ever wondered why uh, we gather. I mean, you know, we're Christians and, you know, that's what Christians do. But why? Why do we gather? I mean, God saves. Yep. So why can't we just do our own thing? Uh, uh, we can get together when we get to heaven. But for now, we've got lots to do. We're busy. Why do we need to get together? And plus, we've got Zoom as well. Why is it so important, if it's important at all, to gather? Let me give you the answer to that straight up, and then we'll talk about it. It is because God is a gathering God. That's why. God is a gathering God. It is a God thing. He gathers his people. We gather because he summons us to, and for the good reasons that we're about to see. So what does the Bible say about the gathering God? Uh, and I'm at point one in your outline church called and gathered in the Old Testament, you know, we see that God is constantly gathering his people. His purpose in creating his people is so that he might live amongst them and be their God. That's what it meant to be the people of God. It meant to be gathered people gathered around God. In Leviticus 26 verse 11, let me just read that to you. Uh, God says, I will put my dwelling place among you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. And so God uh, would regularly gather his people that he might dwell amongst them. If you just turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy 4. Now, sometimes I put texts I refer to on the screen, but I also think sometimes it's good just to look in your Bibles. Deuteronomy 4, and this is God's Old Testament people, having tried once before to go into the land God had promised them, they're back there and about to head in again. And in Deuteronomy 4, verse 10, it says, remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words, 
so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them uh, and, and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. Verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments which he commanded you to follow and then wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and laws you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Now, you'll notice the word assemble there in verse 10. God had done it before. God is doing it again here. God says and calls his people to assemble because he wants them to gather. That's what assemble means. But there's something else I want you to notice from verse 10. He gathers his people before him to hear his word. To hear him speak. And we see this throughout the history of God's people. God gathering uh, his people around him to hear his words to them. And in the Old Testament, you'll see celebration days, feast days, festivals, remembrances, God always gathering his people. But the key thing they did as God assembled them was to hear him speak to them, most often through one of his prophets. Now, what I want to show you here from Deuteronomy 4.10 is that the word assemble, or together, that's what assemble means, is equivalent to the New Testament word for church. The word church simply means together, but in the Bible, church is the gathering of God's people. And in the New Testament English, we call that church. And so if we were going to come to the New Testament, for example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, I'm just going to read a bit of it to you. It says, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, etc., 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 and you'll see this several times as, he begin, as Paul the Apostle begins letters to churches in the New Testament. So the church here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 is the gathering of the people of God in Thessalonica. That is that from Old Testament to New, God has not stopped gathering his people he creates the people, his people, to gather them together around him to hear him speak. That's what church is. We gather because God brings us together. He desires to gather us. He desires for us to church. Now, that's not a random thing that God just decided to do. He does so because that's the very nature, the very nature 
of our existence as God's people. Let me say that again. God gathers us because that's the very nature of our existence as God's people. What do I mean? Turn with me to the Bible reading, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. If you don't know where Hebrews is, just look it up in the contents. There is no shame in that. I found myself occasionally looking up the contents, particularly with those pesky minor prophets. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 12. And reading again from verse 18, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying uh, that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. So just a bit of background. That uh, is referring to Israel assembling at Mount Sinai. Okay? And it contrasts that to Christians gathering together at Mount Zion. So verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Zion uh, was the site of the temple and the place where God chose to dwell amongst his people. But here, it's picture language, if I can put it like that. It's metaphorical because this is actually a reference, verse 22, to the heavenly Jerusalem. The heavenly Jerusalem is where God truly dwells. The heavenly Jerusalem is the city of the living God. Now, what is in heaven? Where God is. Well, you'll see verse 22. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. What else is there in the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of God? Verse 23. You have come to the church. Of the firstborn. There's that word. Church is gathering. Who is gathered? The church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. The firstborn is another way of speaking about Jesus. Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. But he is the firstborn because. Yes, he was the first to rise from the dead permanently. 
but he's the firstborn because there will be many others who will be born after him who will be risen from the dead. That is those who trust in the Lord Jesus. So the church of the firstborn is the church of Jesus. It is a gathering of all those that have been saved by Jesus. And this gathering of the firstborn born with the thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly is in the heavenly Jerusalem, as we've said. This is church in heaven. That's the picture here, church in heaven. Sounds pretty cool. And when will this church in heaven happen? Well, it's actually happening right now. Right now. All those who are in Christ are there right now. So as we church, there's churching going on in heaven as well. Look with me at verse 22. Notice in verse 22 it says, You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come. Not you will come. Not you partly come, not you're about to come. No, you have come. Verse 22, the second part again. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Verse 23, you have come to God. Now, when it says you have come, this is what we would call in English or in ancient Greek the perfect tense. It's perfect because it is a completed thing. It is a completed action. You have come. In other words, there is another church that is meeting around God right now. And that is happening in heaven. And you have come to it if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ you are meeting there <laughs> that weird you are meeting there right now it is church now and it is church there yeehaw <laughs> now you might say well it doesn't really feel like I'm there well of course not you're sitting in your seat here it's no surprise then, is it, that God wants us to gather now, here, together, his people. It reflects who God is as a gathering God, not in the future, but now. And we as a gathering people. It gives us a foretaste of what is going on now and what will go on for eternity in heaven. It is expressing, us gathering, is expressing what we are doing by faith in heaven now. The way we express the heavenly reality is that we are now gathered around God in that we are now gathered around God there, is to gather around God here and now. 
in this earthly reality. That's why it's so important that we gather here and now. So now we know why we need to gather together. Can I quickly talk about what happens when we do that in the church here and now? If you just flick quickly to Acts chapter 2, this is an example. Acts chapter 2 of what the first church did as they gathered together. Acts chapter 2. And I want you to see if this sounds familiar to you at all. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. This is the, the first church as they gathered together. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching so, sorry, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. And had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together. In the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So you see what they did? They devoted themselves to God's word as the apostles taught them. That's the apostles' teaching. Teaching them God's word, Jesus' word. That's why God's word is central to what we do when we gather. God gathers his people to hear him speak. And that is now through his word. Verse 42, they broke bread together. I think that's talking about the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. They prayed together, verse 42, when they gathered. Verse 45, verse 44, verse and 45, they were together, together, together. They cared for one another when they were together, especially the needy. They even sold property to be generous to others. Imagine that. Verse 46, every day together. That speaks of the importance that they held gathering to be. Every day they did it. Verse 46, they shared meals with each other. Fellowship, hospitality, generosity, doing life together, being family. Verse 47, praised God when they were together. And God added to their number every day. They grew, they grew because they shared the message of Jesus. They lived it out. And people came to know the Lord Jesus all sounds familiar, doesn't it? When we gather as God's people. Gathering meant gathering around God in his word, loving and caring for one another and prayer and praise to him. You cannot do those things together with God's people if you were not together. 
together is just the word that means to gather. It's all together means. We gather because of God, for God, and around God because he is the gathering God who summons us together. To not church, to not church together then is to actually deny who God has made us as his people. You do not want to deny God about anything. And certainly not to deny who God has made us to be. He's gathering people. That is why we gather. Well, what about us? What does it mean for us? Well, I thought I'd say something, not knowing your church, uh, I thought I'd just say something about church attendance and being regular at church. Over the years as a minister, I've noticed, I think as many ministers have noticed, that people attend church less and less these days. Most churches have a membership list that is far, far greater than those who turn up on a Sunday. And whilst many people who say they are regular at church and they go to church every week, I reckon for most people, if you were to count it, it probably wouldn't be every week. And I've also noticed over the years the number of different reasons that people have to miss church just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I wonder why when you miss church, why you miss church? Why? Why do you miss church when you miss church? And I wonder how you explain it to God, or you would explain it to God, if he ever asked. Why didn't you go that week? Why didn't you go that week? And I wonder when you miss church, for whose sake is that? Is that for God's sake that you miss church? Or is it for yours? Now you might think, Look, it's only every, every now and again. Don't be so legalistic. Look, that's true in one sense. But actually, that thinking and question misunderstands why you go to church. If I can flick you to one more passage in Hebrews, back in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and let me read from verse 24. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. 
as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The word consider there means to direct our mind towards spurring each other on towards love and good deeds. Now, of course, we're not just to think about it, but actually do it. Actually spur one another on towards love and good deeds, which we do as we gather. It goes on to say that, well, it appears, verse 25, that some Christians were in the habit, or it was becoming a habit, to not gather to be slack in assembling, churching. Gathering together is important because as verse 25 says, we are to encourage each other. Encouraging each other goes hand in hand with gathering together in this verse. You can't encourage others if you don't see them. If you are not with them. And the reason to meet and encourage is at the end of verse 25. And all the more as you see the day approaching. That's talking about judgment day. Which will be for the person who does not trust in Jesus. The single most horrible day of eternity. They will face. And that's why God wants Christian people to keep meeting together and encouraging one another. He does not want anyone to have shrunk back, to have fallen away, to have not persevered in trusting in Jesus. God does not want that. So to stop that from happening, he has given Christian people to each other. God knows that we cannot make it to the end on our own. So the way God helps, enables, strengthens us and strengthens us to get to the end trusting in Jesus is to give us other people to encourage us there. So God says, don't stop meeting together, but encourage one another. Because judgment day is coming. So if you say, well, look, I don't need to go this week. It'll be okay. It's just one week. You know what you're saying? You are saying you don't need to encourage anyone at church today. That's what you're saying. If you don't need to encourage anyone at church that day, then you know people a lot better than God does. Because he says they need to be encouraged. That's why I've got them together. And anyway, how would you know if no one at church needed encouragement today, if you're not there? And sometimes the attitude to not meeting with Christians is because you don't think you need it. I'm okay. 
this week. Now, you may not need encouragement. Good on you. But, you know, you don't go to church for what you need. You go for others. We're told here to think about how to spur others on to love and good deeds, how to encourage others. It does not say, well, think about how you might be encouraged today. Think about how others might spur you. No. Church is an other-person-centred activity, not a self-centred one. To stay away is essentially selfish. It is self-centred. It spurs no one on to love and good deeds. It encourages no one. In fact, it's just plain discouraging for those that are there. Stop being selfish when it comes to thinking about gathering with God's people. Now, look, I'm not talking about those times where you're sick or something like that or maybe you're out of town for work or holidays or something. I'm not not talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about when you think you've got something more important to do than to go and meet with God's people to encourage God has given, to encourage those God has given you to encourage. That's these people. And God's given you the summons and the responsibility to go and encourage them. Because judgment day is coming. And lastly, may I say, when you miss or you're you're away or you're not there because you don't think you need it, Do not think that you're not in peril of falling away. Do not think you are not in danger, no matter how strong you think you feel at that point in time spiritually. You are in danger. And the first sign that you are in danger is that you think you're not. If you're thinking, oh, look, it's just a week, just a week here or there, I tell you, and please listen, a week here or there makes it much easier for it to become a couple of weeks here, a couple of weeks there. I tell you, before you know it, it becomes a month here, it becomes a month there, And then it turns into, you know, I feel a bit distant from people. I feel a bit discouraged and a bit disconnected from people. And before you know it, before you know it, you are cold. You are cold. 
Because that is what happens when you separate yourself from God's people. Yeah? When you stop meeting with God's people, that is the pathway to spiritual death. Coldness. You need others more than you think you do. And it's when people stay together, isn't it? Encouraging one another that we keep going in the Lord Jesus. God doesn't need us, but he knows that we need each other. And that's one of the main reasons God provides gathering, church. Do not deny what God has given you to keep you Trusting in his son. That's where we're told to keep beating together. How do you encourage people? Well, it's not simply giving warm fuzzies. Nothing wrong with that. I don't mind a warm fuzzy here or there. But this is specifically about encouraging people. It's about drawing people near to God that they might not fall away. So the way you encourage people is by pointing them to the Lord Jesus. Give them a warm fuzzy. You point them to the Lord Jesus. Remind them to never stop trusting in Jesus. Pray with them that they will keep trusting in the Lord Jesus. Is that what you're doing when you encourage others? How to do that? Well, for everyone it will be to love them. But one of the best ways is to just ask people how they are going and you listen to them and you listen to them and then you listen to them again. And after you've listened to them, you know, maybe share some scriptures with them, but you point them to the Lord Jesus. If you look around today, I'm not going to ask you to do it now because that's just awkward. <laughs> I want you to look around later and just ask yourself, who needs encouragement? Who needs encouragement? And then go and talk to them. And you know who needs encouragement? Everyone. Have purposeful conversations. Yeah? I know some of you in here might feel unencouraged. That's a rebuke for us all. We all bear that blame. Everyone's responsible. But even if you feel unencouraged, keep going and keep seeking whom you may encourage. And God will look after you being encouraged. He will. And may I say... Just your mere presence in the gathering of God's people is encouragement. Just being there. You know, when some aren't, it's discouraging, yeah? 
And if just your presence is encouraging, how much more will your words be? How much more your listening ear, your shoulder to cry on, your welcoming smile, your gentle rebuke, your kind word, your genuine compliment, your word of thanks, your acts of service, be there. Be there. We gather around God and his word because of God and for God. But God also gathers you for you. These are the people he's given you to serve and encourage as judgment day approaches. Will you do it? Will you do it? And will you make it of highest priority because God has spoken. Let me pray. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are King. We thank you that you are Lord and we thank you that you are the gathering God. We thank you for this wonderful joy and delight, this wonderful provision and blessing from you to gather us by your spirit. Encourage and enable us to do it. Amen. We've got 10 minutes to ask questions of Peter. So on this side, raise your hand to me. On the other half, sound, if you get to fortune, raise your hand to my beautiful wife, Emma. So, questions. There's one. Where are you going? Thanks, Peter. My question, do you think this passage relates just to Sunday gathering or does it extend to weekly Bible study, mission month gathering? Like, where do you... How much commitment do you expect... Um, Sure. Uh, so two things to say. One is wisdom. We need to use wisdom here. Uh, uh, there's so many things that you can do. Yeah. Um, and it's impossible to do all of them. The key thing is that we're committed to gathering with God's people. Okay. So that requires uh, some wisdom. Uh, second thing is that I'm not talking just about Sunday morning or Sunday evening at 9 o'clock or between 10.45 and 11 <laughs> or 6 p.m. I'm not just talking. I think, I, I think we, are, we are churching. I'm using the word churching as a verb, but it's actually church is only a noun in the Bible. Um, uh, anyway. I'm not going to go on with it. But uh, I forgot the point I was going to make. Oh, no, yeah, sorry. Um, I, I think whenever God's people are gathered together around his word, okay, it, 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 with that sort of purpose and intention, I think you can call that a gathering. I think you can call that church. I think, you know, in the New Testament, they would meet in people's homes and, and Paul would write to them as a church. And so I think when we gather to 
read the Bible together in our homes. Uh, that would be church, I think youth group when we read the Bible together and stuff like that, that is uh, church, yeah. So uh, I'm not saying you do every single thing that you can possibly do uh, because I'm, I know at your church you'd be doing something every day, <laughs> uh, getting together, but uh, without being legalistic, it's just interesting the, the early church met every day. It's a different it's a different time in a different place where everyone walked everywhere and, and you know, that sort of thing. I get that. Uh, but it's interesting, I think, that God has created a world in a particular cycle of seven days. Uh, God rested on the seventh. God's people would meet together on the first day that we see in the New Testament. And I think there appears to me there's, to be a fairly, there's a fairly clear pattern of that kind of regularity in gathering. So I know there are different circumstances for people as well. We shouldn't be legalistic, but we ought to be committed to the regular gathering of God's people to love them and encourage them. Um, and, it, and I'm sure you can talk to any of the pastors about you know what's too much and what's too little. Okay. We've got time for one more question. Sorry, I'll try to make my answers faster. Um, could you give some wisdom about birthday parties? You know, when your girls were invited to a birthday party that conflicted with church, how did you handle that? <laughs> you can say no. Um, I think not just birthday parties. Uh, my, my, the church I was at at Fairfield for 17 years. It was very, very multicultural, people from all different nations. And I've noticed that a lot of families that are not Christian do their family events on Sundays as well. And, uh, uh, you know, family are big, you know, is a big thing and, you know, missing family things is a big thing. And, and I, I, uh, so not just, but I think this goes for soccer and a bunch of other things as well that are on Sundays now, you can say no. And, uh, or you can turn up late. And that might upset some people, um, but I found it doesn't upset them for long because they get used to it. <laughs> but I think it's also very, very important that people understand what your first priority is if you are seeking to share the gospel with them. Because in sharing the gospel with them and you're saying Jesus is number one, Jesus is first and foremost, you know, except when we have soccer. You know, it's, it's very hard to convince them to put Jesus number one in their life. So sometimes it requires a hard decision. And... Uh, now, that's not to say that, um, actually, I was going to say, I was speaking to one soccer family, and I call them a soccer family, I shouldn't, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and one of their sons was, was uh, very, very good and was rising up the ranks, but committed Christian. And they said, look, what do you think about you know, us not coming to church on Sundays? We'll still go to Bible study every week. But we just, you know, and I, we had this conversation. In the end, you know what they decided? They decided to speak to their coach and saying, 
you know, church at 10.30 on Sunday is our first priority. Coach said to him, depending on the time of the game, well, look, if you can only play for half a game, like this is almost rep level. Um, Coach said to him, well, okay, I respect that. Um, If he can just play first half or second half, that'll be okay. Now, that hasn't always happened like that, but uh, I think sometimes you can say no. Uh, 